podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everybody, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. It's a podcast you've come to know and love as uh, somehow it's turned weekly again and uh, you're probably maybe enjoying yourselves with it. I like to think so. Anyway, I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And Scotty was very soft there. Let me just let me just bring that back up. Oh, Scotty. And I'm just an old man. There we go. He's just an old man. Nice. Got a little Scotty in there. Yeah. Figure why not. Uh, anyway, what, what happened? Th- this episode, <laughs> I, well, hang on, let me do this first. Let me do the regular thing I do. Uh, Matt, would you have them watch this episode? I mean, it's kind of batshit insane. <laughs> like, I've forgotten. I don't think I've, I, maybe I've never seen this episode. You forgot the turn? Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, wait, what? We're just going to drop that here in the fifth act and not not acknowledge any more of that? We kind of love it. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, but it was was bananas, a huge swing. It's definitely a huge swing. That's why I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. Especially especially that it, well, I mean, we'll get into it, but especially that he's about to kill himself. Yeah. (laughs) It's so crazy. Um, yeah, but more on that in a little bit. Uh, let's head over. How to was the, your uh, Matt? Oh, did you sorry. ever confirm whether you have COVID or not uh, before we started? I've I've taken um, so many brands of tests that have somehow all been negative. So I've all just right. chalked it up to walking pneumonia. All right, good. Hey, you know what? Congratulations, yeah. pal. <laughs> Thanks. You know, I'm like, uh, I, 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 it's not COVID. But I certainly think I'm dying. Yeah. We're dancing. (laughs) Not COVID. Probably dying anyway. All right. We're certainly both going to die early. There's no way around that. Excuse me. I meant to turn off the... it was funny. I was recording with Dory yesterday, and I turned off. I went to turn off my microphone to cough, and I turned off her microphone as she was talking. So all you heard was a cough, and it was. Like, <laughs> you wanted that cough to be heard. I was like, "This is. I'm just in no condition." Anyway, I was going to try to get us into the Admirals Club. So let's, let's see if the it. door still opens. Nope, doesn't open when it's that quiet. I'll tell you that much. All kinds of things are happening here, everybody. All the guy's got fake COVID. Come on. Fake COVID. Matt, how do they get into the Admiral's Club? Oh, well, they head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. You can write whatever you want on there. Could be negative, could be positive. Leave a five-star review, and you're in. Uh, Andy, who are you reading this week? This week I'm reading L. Chacker, uh, who writes, There are five stars. Ha! Um... Oh, wait, and does that mean that he only really gives us four? 
Oh, yeah, good question. Because <laughs> it depends how much yeah. we're clinging to our own perception of reality. This podcast features industry insiders Matt Myra, Andrew Secunda, Devinani Rall, and Q as God. <laughs> the show is about many things like pizza, sound cues, bad accents, Frank Sinatra, specific acting, cats, and they even occasionally talk about Star Trek. After listening to this show, you may find yourself cheering when Nurse Ogawa hits five lines. <laughs> Troy gets utilized correctly. Worf isn't shut down immediately. And when uh, they get any scrap of informa- information to explain Galorndon Core. Overall... It's a great podcast and a delightful community. I certainly agree with delightful community. I agree with great podcast. See, we both have our own perspectives. Um, best Star Trek podcast? Sure. Uh, from Giants STH. Hosts Matt Myron and Andy Secunda, a.k.a. Secunda, recap the seventh season run of Star Trek TNG. What? Does that, does that mean that we're both? collectively known as Secunda? <laughs> in some sense, yes. Huh. You All can right. feel free to, to use my sure. name as a victory cheer. Uh, <laughs> um, as well as the back nine, or back two, of the legendary career of the chairman of the board. Uh, their stick is especially relevant to children in the 90s, although any nostalgic sci-fi fan should find something to grin about, or else. Um, note, threat to be taken seriously. Well, I'm sold. And I'm Devanani Rall. And, and <laughs> Thanks, lastly, Devanani. just in time, uh, from Jonathan Arthur Tripp. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching and listening. Spoilers. I can't believe that wedding happened. <laughs> oh, no. Is that happening? Oh, I, I didn't need to know that. Now I won't see their relationship grow. Um, I guess that's why it gets good, allegedly, in season three and four. Um, I've been watching and listening uh, along, loving the inside baseball breakdowns and non sequiturs. I was at three episodes left in the sixth season when Netflix dropped the bombshell. TNG was leaving April 2nd. I have 20 days to watch all of season seven. In any case, I love this podcast. And we love wow. you, Jonathan Arthur Tripp. Uh, guys, That's don't it. forget, you can buy your uh, your copies of Star Trek The Next Generation on Blu-ray. Get a physical just go copy to, while you still can. Just go to our website, and we'll have a link. We don't. We should. Go to <laughs> our <laughs> website. We'll have a link to where you could, uh, you know, buy them. And then what happens once you buy it is Andy or I have to go out to a physical store yeah. Find a copy, yeah. purchase it ourselves, and then wrap it up and send it to you. It's a cumbersome process. But we're willing to do it. We're not good at e-commerce. Uh, no. All right. Let's I think those of you waiting for the uh, for the Patreon store would, uh, would know that. Uh, speaking of e-commerce, let's head over to the Patreon. All the right. President's Circle. Whoa. Well, what's happening oh, here? Sliding these levels really. like a... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> ah yes, it's the President's Circle, a place where you could get yourself up to eight extra podcasts a month right now. We're going through Picard, we're going through uh Voyager Enterprise, Discovery, season whatever, two, three, four, what is it? Season four of Discovery? Four, yeah. Jeez Louise. Uh, yeah, it's all over there. So many extra podcasts, you won't have time to listen to any other shows, and that's why we'll appreciate it. We're trying to anyway. squeeze everybody out. That's right. No more shows except for us. 
so Andy, uh, who are you singling out this week for a Christopher Pike Medal of Valor? Who's got a great comment? Which comment did you enjoy? I got two of them. Uh, the first one is, uh, and this is in regards to Journey's End, the last uh, politically questionable episode. Oh, you um, mean the one where all of Wesley's worst traits came out? That's right. It had a lot of it had a lot of stuff about it <laughs> that made it stand out. You better apologize to Jordy at some point. Uh, really, it's really, really should. There should, there be, should a, be there should be a six uh, issue. That uh, Dark Horse trade, comic trade run paperback, a hundred percent. That it's just Wesley apologizing to Jordy. The apology, yeah. And it's just him walking behind Jordy as Jordy sort of like walks around doing stuff in engine the engine room. And, and then uh, every uh, <laughs> every two pages, there's a panel where the where the traveler is sort of peeking out from behind the corridor, looking out, <laughs> smiling. <laughs> His real skill was apologizing. Um. Angel Cruz writes, me being native and Mexican, I love this episode. Even though it's basically another white Christ archetype, I understand Wesley Crusher because my 17-year-old could be a fucking dick too. <laughs> That's Which fair. Is, uh, really on point, I think. Uh, thank you, Angel. Uh, the other one is uh, Christopher Pike Metal goes to Kieran O'Sullivan who writes, So the B-plot for this episode is about a 22-year-old with severe depression who sneaks off with a group of strangers, takes some drugs, and has hallucinations. One of the strangers turns out to be a man that has been stalking him since he was 16 and tells him to leave his life behind so he can ascend to a higher plane of existence, and that same day he quits school and leaves his family to go live with his stalker and learn to ascend. And everyone supports his choice? Has the crew of the Enterprise never listened to a true crime podcast? <laughs> they weirdly haven't. Uh... Serial is not no longer taught in schools at the academy. Mm. It's, 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 that's part of the ancient past. Yeah, that's that stuff all got. Century. That's all that all got lost in in in, in twenty twenty four uh, because of Q and Brent Spiner and uh, probably uh, whatever else storyline they're doing. Laris, yeah, a lot they, of Picard mixed up storylines. They do make that passing reference in Picard to like, well, all the records were lost then. And it's sort of like, was it? It seems like you guys know everything about the 20th century. <laughs> maybe, maybe like somebody purged all the servers of podcasts. Could be. Oh man. Can you imagine what all of our, all of our art would be lost, Matt? Look, I uh, have hard copies, so we're good. Okay, great. Are they magnetically protected? Is it magnetic? They're on solid state. Okay. So, you know. That's it for the uh, Pike Metal of Valors. Uh, let's enter the Priority One messages. Oh, okay. Let's do that. Hmm. <laughs> Got, you don't have the code? I, I mean, I, I have, like, so Your little... Channel. I have so little control over the sound right now that, like... Yeah. He's I'm an like ill man. Come on, he shouldn't even be it. here. Crusher's probably wondering why he's not in sickbay. What do you mean? I'm I'm at my house. <laughs> no excuse anymore. <laughs> he thinks he's in a house. Look at oh, this no. guy. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, what we were supposed to hear was the priority one message, and then um, incoming message was gonna, and then and then you'd hear priority one, and everything would be good. Do you want me to continue? <laughs> Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right. How about that? That's pretty good. There'll be a couple of voicemails coming up later on just to give you a heads oh up. Oh, my God. 
Catherine Gartner writes, here's the thing that bothered me. Ensign Cito, was she ahead of Wesley at the Academy and that's why she was posted to the Enterprise? But then there is no mention of her or her death to Wesley when he gets there. Did the two of them never talk again after the hearing at the Academy? Maybe Wesley is grumpy because he thinks he'll have to go on a special mission and die. (laughs) These are valid questions about Cito. It was systematically eliminating everyone in Red Squadron. (laughs) <laughs> is that what's happening? Is it's it a, cursed? It's a, it's it's a, a final it's a destination section, actually, it's situation. It's a section thirty-one plot. Oh wow! Section okay. thirty-one took up the uh, cause uh, to wipe that uh, black mark off Starfleet Academy's record once right. and for all. Okay, they just—they've all, all been posted to ships where they know they'd be in high-risk missions early in their career. Well, they the first they had to wipe uh, Laterno. Is that his name or Lacerno? I would never remember. They wiped Locarno's memory and inserted right. him with the false memory of being Tom Paris. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I think this adds up. Duh. Matt's theory. Um, uh, Lieutenant Ben Plavin writes, I watched this episode with my son before he left for college and haven't been so deeply moved by Star Trek since Spock's... Well, this is a spoiler for TOS, so <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. Uh, I even quoted Beverly when I said goodbye to him a week or so later. Uh, Shut up. I'm not crying. You're crying. Uh, and then Neil Studd. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I just I just don't know what I'd say if I was leaving home and my mother started quoting Beverly Crusher. I guess I'd be like, this makes sense. Seems like, yeah, she would be the one to do it. Did she ever throw a... A TNG quote at you here or there? No. Mary, get on it. I mean, I'm sure she does with the Facebook. She's very active on there. I'm not. So I don't know what she gets up to. Which which of you cares more about this podcast? That's the question. My mother, 100%. <laughs> 100% my mother. Well, I support you, Mary. Uh, Neil Studd uh, also adds on to it. My son is only two, but I know that I won't ever be prepared uh, enough for the awkward quote Enjoy your time on another plane of existence, unquote, conversation. I mean, look, I'd be like, Henry, if you can manipulate time, um, then uh, why don't you head out and uh, stop by and see me this weekend? You can get through years of adventures and then come visit. <laughs> that would be, that was the the one moment, because uh, usually we're touting the, uh, the advantages of the of the uh, non-serialized television uh, with this show. But that was a moment when Beverly's saying goodbye to, to to Wesley before he goes to another plane of existence. Like, there's nothing that could make this conversation normal, but taking a little more time to have her absorb it probably would help. Um, Ambassador James Holloway with Diplomatic Immunity writes, uh, just an idea for the live stream... Uh, TNC live from Vulcan. That is Vulcan, Alberta. They have a <laughs> golf course. Also a rather large model of the Enterprise. Matt and Andy, come on. I mean, that's two things I'm into. Large models of the Enterprise in, in Canada. And golf courses. Wow. Three things. 10 forward gamma shift shift manager writes, I played a drinking game with this episode. I took a drink every time Indian was said and got shit face fast. <laughs> Um, on, the other side, on the other side of the planet, there's like a uh, devout Hindu Indian community. Yeah, who's like, who's like, wait a second, why are they calling them Indians? Are they saying that while watching TNG? No, no, no. They're just, they're just over there. They, they, they swung by to visit the village. Oh, I see. Um, 
<laughs> There's a lot of problems from top to bottom, and we're about to hear about all of them. Um, Tess says, I hate this reason, this episode for reasons both petty and significant. Uh, Wesley being such a dink to Jordy is hard to watch, and then not to have any resolution to it is weird. We agree. The creepy traveler is still the only only missing a bag of candy in a box van. We don't need to see this character again, especially not appropriate. His forehead the- is full of Skittles. <laughs> oh, is that what that is? <laughs> that explains a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, especially as he's uh, he's doing a visual joke of uh, of opening it's up his forehead you, to hand it's just for candy. You. Thank you. <laughs> um, that's how sick he is. He's forgotten we're doing a podcast. Especially not appropriating the Dorvins colony's culture for his purpose, which apparently is apparently not to help them at all. <laughs> so true. He and Wesley happily strolling away from the conflict is just bizarre. <laughs> That's so funny. I forgot about that. They do yeah. just sort of, he pretends to be one of them by. just to fucking get some reaction out of Wesley. And then at the end, he's like, don't worry about them. Um, hey, hey, anyone seen Bill? <laughs> he's been with us for 20 years. <laughs> um, are we supposed to feel the Dorvins naming them for their planet are to live happily ever after with the deal they make with the Cardassians? But Jorans wouldn't think so. Also, didn't the Traveler tell Picard not to repeat what he told him about Wesley, especially not to the mother? Yet Beverly seemed to know everything about it. Does Picard have a hard time keeping a secret, or did Beverly find out during attachment? Oh, that's a, that's a good explanation, Tess. Seemed weird to not have that bit come from her. But the worst is the sheer number of times the word Indian is used to describe the colonists that is so offensive. They're specific enough to mention that the colonists as American rather than simply from Earth as a planet, uh, the way every other alien colony is usually described, yet they don't bother to recognize which nation the colonists' ancestors come from. These people would definitely have had a name for themselves, and it certainly would not have been Indian or Native American. The fact that uh, how they identify themselves is never even brought up in the script only highlights the colonialism in the writer's room, and it makes me cringe. I'm not American, but Canadians are on their own path toward truth and reconciliation for our racist, racist government policies and attempted genocide of First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And I completely understand the, well, things were different back then argument, but hearing that word used so many times should not be comfortable for any of us. It, along with the heaps of stereotypes, soured everything about the episode for me. I think that's kind of fair, Tess. Yeah, but it's also like, I'm also like, what what, what would they... They should have given them, like, a, like they should have been, like, Cherokee or, uh, you know. Well, that is what's... What is interesting is that they Pachanga, didn't... Like, they should have, like, named a tribe. Yeah, they're spending and all this time on it, and although, they never decided. It's, it's a weird choice in and of itself to make them have come from Earth, as opposed well, to just playing it out in an allegorical way. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then if you're going to do then that... But you need the you need the ancestral scars of Picard, and, like, you need that oh, right, angle right. of it. You're right. So, but, like, I yeah, also. Just, May, or yeah. make up a tribe that is sort right. of an amalgamation, but call them by the tribal name. But then don't you get in a in a Chakotay area if you do that? Or is that okay? Is it okay is to it get in a Chakotay the one? area? You tell me. Yeah, you tell me. I don't know. Um, okay with Chakotay? How is it riding a turbo lift with him? Do you think he smells like... Uh, like a like like burnt cedar all the time. I think he does. Oh, that'd be nice. You um, get in there and you're like, oh, Chakotay was in here. <laughs> <laughs> he 
be very calming, I imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's constantly burning sage on his bridge shift. <laughs> you know, the only thing that I sort of... The reason I sort of... I think I may have said this in the last episode, that I accept them saying these are people from Earth, this was a nation from Earth, is just to heighten the fact... The, the ongoing pattern of just screwing these people over as, sure. as in reality is like there is it is logical that that they would they would never be beyond like i also get that it's like silly around. to call, to, silly to be saying native americans right or indigenous in in silly to be saying that 450 years in the future sure not 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 silly now right but like 450 years into the future where the Earth is supposedly uh, all of Earth's problems have been solved, right? You know, no poverty, no hunger, everything's great. Yeah. Um, so then to be called, yeah. So like, I just think you should have they should have named a tribe and called them those people the, the, by their tribal name. I agree. Mister um, the Ultimate <sighs> Trekker says. I think Jordy went straight to the holodeck to cry on the shoulder of Leah Brahms, who assured him that his idea is good and not to let those other kids keep him down. <laughs> I actually think he went to go cry on the shoulder of three Leah Brahms. Uh, that would be nice. <laughs> Bring it in. Come on, Jordy. And he asked them all out, and one of them, it turned out, was real and got real weirded out. Tom Bondurant writes, uh, I checked memory beta, and sadly there are no stories of Wesley ditching the Traveler and heading to Space Scotland for some candle ghost fun at his great-grandma's house. <laughs> <laughs> what does happen to Wesley? Does the ghost go after him? <laughs> um, uh, on the other plane die? of existence? Yeah. yeah, I guess he did. So long, ghost. <laughs> Goodbye, ghost. Eric Peebles writes, This is the beauty of episodic TV. Wesley drops by, and they don't have to spend the entire hour trying to explain Worf turned into a stegosaurus and melted his mom's face off. (laughs) 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 They did move past that pretty quick. (laughs) Maybe that's just like, you know, what happens in Vegas situation. How's your your week been, Mom? (laughs) Well, Uh, (laughs) you're not going to believe this, but this isn't my face. (laughs) She did a great job. It is my face, but... My original think, face was burned off by wharfs. Do you think Doctor Salar is the one that gave her the new face? Uh, no, I think it was probably uh, Worf. Worf. Worf doesn't yeah, he felt bad. So you know, he, Worf doesn't went on a have a vision that. quest to speak with all the great Klingon doctors. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And they were imbued. He was imbued with their skills. I want to read that trade paperback too. It's not available on an omnibus. It's only actually you have to buy each issue. Sorry. Kamaraki, DS9 or Bust, writes, Well, you know, at first you're excited about getting into a fun, fresh relationship with an interdimensional being. It's a blast for a while, but then you end up going to the same timelines over and over again. Your friends stop wanting to hang out in non-Euclidean fractals. Eventually you wonder what you ever saw in that being. Then you realize that it's not what you really wanted in life, and you go back to your roots after a messy breakup involving multiple paradoxes and potentially multiverse-ending shouting matches. Tales old as time. Beauty and the peace. Is is that bird outside your window? Good question. I hear a bird, and I'm just going to imagine that the uh, that a bird is in the holodeck. 
You ever have a bird fly in the house? Sure. Well, a, like a, a bird a bird just flew in the holodeck. It's like a bird in the airport. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great because that bird would show up in all of the holodeck programs. They'd oh, be yeah, like, that's, that's weird. Why did they add a bird? Can't get it away. <laughs> uh, you say uh, that's it for the priority one messages, correct? That's I sure said. did. Yeah. Okay, so let's head back out. Excuse us, excuse us, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me. Okay, thank you, wrong door. We're gonna go through oh, this door, here we go. Oh, thank you, okay. All right, and we're in the hallway. Now we can open up the hails proper. Captain, we are being hailed. What are the good folks not in the Patreon saying about last week's uh, episode, Journey's End? Well, Kim Burton says, uh, I paused the pod for the first time ever. As someone who is experiencing my son and his friends graduating university, this year I can relate with Beverly. Two of his friends have dropped out in their last year. Total waste of money. And although my son is... Two of his friends are traveling on new planes of existence. (laughs) Um, And although my son is graduating, all of them are being complete know-it-alls and total asshats. It's like they don't believe that we all went through this uh, to post-secondary school and listened to our professors and thought we all knew more than our parents and other adults. People in their early 20s are just assholes. <laughs> I think it's so. Uh, I think it's easier for us as parents to let them go and be their own people. Wesley is just an idiot. Oh my, so much pressure he is feeling. Uh, WTF, wait until, wait till they have to pay bills and their own rent and buy food and not have their parents paying for everything. Young adults suck. <laughs> these uh, these hails are really revealing a certain age group. <laughs> it's not people in their 20s. <laughs> I mean, it's the age group that, uh, honestly, I mean, we're both old enough. We're both old enough to have children that age. Yeah, I guess that's true. Which is uh, alarming. Yeah. And uh, good God, <laughs> good God, my get... beard is gray. My beard is so gray. <laughs> I gotta get on it. <laughs> Be as fed up as these people are. Um, this is from Max McLeod. Great name, Connor McLeod's father or sister or brother. I don't know who knows. Oh, you went with Connor McLeod. Nice. Who are you gonna go? Who'd you go with? Uh, the TV McLeod. What was he? The detective? No, the in the Highlander TV show. Oh. Oh, I don't remember. Uh, Duncan. You know, Duncan McLeod. I pulled I, it. Duncan. I always, <laughs> he's so excited. I, always <laughs> I didn't have to look a, it up. I didn't have to look it up. I always uh, I always forget that when I when Highlander comes up that your first go-to is the TV show, which it's I don't know. It's not my first go-to. It's just it's just you have to. It's take a big the whole piece mythos. for you, though. You, you have to you, take the whole mythos, you know. I guess so. I had never seen a single episode. Look, I mean, Christopher Lambert, of course, he's great. He's 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 the one. He must but have shown then, up. Duncan he must have shown up in the t- Yeah. I mean, come on. Have you not seen the later Highlander movies where they're both both McClouds are in it? Come on. No shit. That's. I think I, we've had this conversation before in the hundreds of episodes because <laughs> I, I think I had that reaction just like that's great I'll watch that I watched the second one with Michael Ironside as the villain sure it was yeah. a piece of garbage yeah but you know, at least there's swords in it that's true Max McCloud writes uh, hi Matt and Andy 
uh, and the title is Thanks for the Podcast, One Year Anniversary. It's been pretty much one year that I've been listening to your podcast, and I know that because it's my son's first birthday this week. Nice. Yeah. One year ago, we got a call in the middle of the night from the adoption agency that we had been working with that a baby boy had been born a few hours away, uh, and his birth family had selected my wife and I to be his parents. So with only a couple hours to plan, we were thrown into the role of new parents, complete with all the lack of sleep that comes with it. I started listening to your podcast to help me stay awake through the night. (laughs) That that doesn't seem like that would be helpful. (laughs) Um, Getting to relive Star Trek while learning about production secrets and trying to guess which sound cues would be used in the wrong spots (laughs) helped keep me going through the sleepless nights. Our son is doing great and loves dancing to short jingles, so the podcast is great for him, too. The best parenting advice I can follow is always do what Worf doesn't. Just uh, wanted to say... Thanks for keeping me alert and entertained during the unexpected and exciting first year. Cheers, that is, future uh, president of Mott's Barber College. Well, wow. Not only a client, but also the president. That's amazing. Uh, I was just going to say that I, I think it's uh, very cool that they selected you, and you in the middle of the night, too. It's, it's like... I kind of got to have the whole you know experience without your wife being nauseous for three months <laughs> uh congratulations max to you uh and your baby boy um is uh which is more of an expensive process matt adoption or ivf i mean i guess that depends right depends on how many palms you're covers. greasing for the adoption yeah and like what the what the agency's charging and stuff like that i think they could both probably be equally uh, crippling well Whatever the case, good for you, and congratulations, and I hope you're all very happy, and that you remain attached to your son, even as he reaches college age and becomes, apparently, a little snotty. (laughs) Uh, Agreed? Okay, there's going to be a... a jingle uh, under uh, Gimme More in the... uh, you got it. Here it comes. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, the Moors, Chris Greenwood. I try to give you a heads up so that you know you can. But I get well, it. Ready to go. All right, the Moors uh, from Chris Greenwood. Hi, Andy. Couldn't resist having a go to jingle because the show doesn't have enough for the new featured weekly check-in you've developed for the increasing number of Moors in the Patreon, of which I'm sadly not one. Uh, please find attached use or delete as you see fit. Thanks for the podcast. I'm enjoying the frequency. And added Picard's in the Patreon. And this is from Chris, who's got a Northern English accent, which I forgot to do. Apologies. <laughs> Cosmo Moore. Ron Moore. Roger Moore. A Josh Moore. Wild D Moore. A Joe Moore. I have a Carl Moore. <laughs> Shout out to all you Moore. I love it. Uh, deep inside. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, but that's kind of like, that's kind of one of those ones that like, I'm going to keep it over here because I feel like we'll need oh, it. We're definitely going to hear from one of them again, yeah. for sure. Um, also, uh, Chris had sent me a, a thread he started in the Facebook a while back uh, about our uh, mirror uh, face group. Did I say Facebook? Do we have a mirror face group? Well, he 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 questioned what our mirror universe counterparts would be, and it's a very long thread that's very funny. So maybe I'll put it on the Instagram. Um, but uh, check that out in the face group. 
Journeys and <clears throat> Issues from Zachariah Seville. Um, this is a little bit long. Uh, good evening, Secunda and Konbanwa Myra. He's waving. Uh, I've never been a big fan of this episode, and as much and much of it stems from the representation of Native Americans slash First Nations peoples. FYI, Andy, they can't be indigenous if they have settled on another planet. But kudos to the proper language here on Earth. Um, now I'm a white man, so I'm not the most qualified source of information. But my partner is indigenous and works in First Nations advocacy, so I can say I'm far more qualified than any of the consultants Star Trek has employed over the years. And he uh, has a reference to uh, Mr. Highwater, <laughs> hired on Voyager. <laughs> kind of my favorite thing about of Star Trek behind the scenes is that mistake. Is that just this guy that? <laughs> It was like, yeah, 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 yeah. It would be fascinating to see. Hey, uh, uh, what are we getting for lunch today? <laughs> this just wearing a a, oh uh, a stereotypical like a uh, hoodie. cosplay outfit that he that he bought in uh He's got a Halloween hoodie store. with a bolo tie around it. Oh, is that what it is? Bolo sure. Tie. He doesn't want to overplay his hand. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I would also love to see the the choices that led up to just sort of like uh, we put an intern on finding this guy. Uh, he 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 assures us he had us. a ponytail. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Connecticut. I don't know. Uh, um. Anywho, uh, first of all, the term Indian seems wildly ignorant to be using in the 24th century. This was already an ignorant term in the so-called ancient West, so to use it 500 years later (laughs) in an enlightened era was baffling. It would not have been hard to name the tribe, is exactly what Matt was saying, Uh, these people came from, and mentioned some quick exposition of, quote, these people lived in the plains of North America, Mm -hmm. uh, just so the audience is aware. Secondly, the parallels that the show is trying to portray with the broken treaties and stolen land land felt hollow and never landed for me. These people left Earth 200 years ago, yet only settled on the planet in the past 20 years. What connection did they really have to this place in less than a single generation? This isn't the same as European settlers coming to the New World and forcefully displacing peoples that had been there for centuries. This is a colony of humans half a millennium removed from the problems and politics of the 20th century. They are part of the Federation, living in a galaxy of thousands of sentient species. This is small potatoes in the larger picture of Alpha Quadrant relations. I think the analogy the writers were aiming for would have been better served by Native Americans having settled at least 100 years ago, separate from the Federation policies, from Federation policies, but still caught up in the politics playing out with the Cardassians, since they're human. That would have had some weight uh, to their feelings, it would have also presented a chance for the Enterprise crew to learn about the native, about the history of Native Americans over the course of the episode, and grapple with the implications of forcefully removing a settled population with such troubled past. Having Picard spell out these issues in the first five minutes, as if he is an expert, seemed incredulous and forced, uh, and left the plot with little room to grow. In my opinion, well, you need more time for that uh, creepy Wesley stuff. <laughs> Um, what happened to the idealism of the Federation that finds differences between human races and gender absurd and foreign? The episode uh, could have been benefited from the 24th century optimistic perspective typical of other episodes while also teaching some valuable lessons to the viewers in the 1990s. As is, it feels like a clumsy after-school special right down to the freeze frame with we- moment with Wesley. Sorry for the long hail. Love the podcast. Can't wait for DS9. Um, Zachariah Seville. 
Zechariah. Thank you. Uh, then we have a lot, a, of, a lot of good points there. I agree with uh, almost all of them. The only one I don't agree with is uh, your name. He did the best he could. You I know, mean, he I didn't have a choice. I would have just, I would have changed my name to have a Z, so it would have been Zachariah Zaville, and it would be really cool. Uh, Zachariah, you know, consider it. Think I about mean, it. It's on a podcast. Back. You can't so. really, you know, that's a lot of people that have heard it now. So, um, and if you could play the hail with freaks in the title, this has a small Picard spoiler, season one spoiler, FYI. Mm-hmm. You want to avoid it. Uh, hi, Matt and Andy. Uh, this is Phil. I'm calling about uh, Jonathan Frakes and his notoriety for spoiling things. You had mentioned how I, someone had read it uh, at Benedict Convention, kind of spoiling Pegasus. Well, um, he's pretty bad. He's probably Tom Holland of Star Trek. He likes to give stuff away. Uh, when Picard season one was premiering, excuse me, towards the end of the season, uh, when, uh, spoiler, for anyone who hasn't seen Picard, where they introduced, uh, you know, uh, other son, you know, the French minor plays on the, on the Android planet. He, like, the day before the episode premiered, he, like, post, he tweeted a photo of French minor in character on that planet hanging out, and for, I forget what the caption was, but it was just like, boom, hey, he's going to be on the show again. And, and you had no idea up to that point that premiered yet. Uh, and I had to stop following him because I was afraid he was going to spoil something else. <laughs> uh, but also, on a side note, Frakes is actually the reason why I discovered your podcast. He had tweeted about being on uh, your uh, Yesterday's Enterprise podcast back in season three, and I've been listening ever since. So Frakes can give and take away at the same time. I uh, hope you guys are doing great. Have a good one. Bye. He, he's, he's a mischievous uh, individual. Jonathan. Do you think he does it intentionally? Oh, for sure. Oh, my gosh. That I think is, he does. That's very Riker-like. He always does it like he always does stuff that's like ultimately not but like really ruin anything for anyone. Do you right. know what I mean? Because yeah. he knows that like the first shot of the first episode is Brad Spiner, right? You know, because it's Picard and Data in the in Ten Forward in his dream. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you see that you're like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that he had tweeted us. That's uh, that's very kind of him. <laughs> He's a. Uh, Kevin Kirchner, sorry, Kevin Kircher writes. Ir- Irvin Kirchner writes. Irvin Kirchner <laughs> writes. <laughs> in the in the third scene in Empire Strikes Back. Um, hi, Andy. I thought Wesley was acting like a typical long lost young adult who is struggling to find her, their path through life. I thought the short and rude personality Hang portrays. On. Why are we all assuming? Okay. That twenty two year old. Are always gonna tell Jordy that he's he needs to fix his fucking thing. It's not gonna work. He's real dumb. Why'd no. you even bother showing it to me? You're saying why are we assuming that any long because lost? No other person would do that. It it does seem everyone would see how proud Jordy was of this thing he installed. Yeah, and uh, you know you could you could you could look at it, compliment it, say it's great, and say, hey, have you thought about adding a third backup? Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I mean, on. you know, it's it, the reason is it's it's out of place in the TNG crew, where all emotional reactions now since we lost Tasha Yar are pretty 
muted and underplayed. And I think that's why it seems so out of place. Like, even if he was just sort of quietly non-responsive, as they also play him in the episode, then it'd be like, all right, I guess that seems a little bit more up TNG's alley. But for him to be a full-out dick is real weird. So rude. Which is what Kevin says. However, this Wesley, uh, this is Wesley Crusher, for goodness sakes. Uh, he was flying the ship on the bridge of the flagship of the fleet before he was shaving his face. I don't really buy the fact that he lost his uh, he lost his course of career in his final year at the academy. It would have made more sense if he was on top of his game. Then the traveler gave him the vision quest. Then Wesley would have to choose which path he would like to take, or a combination of both. Poor Jordy, he just wanted to show Wesley his new girlfriend. I mean, cool new machine. <laughs> Little mechafile reference there. Can't wait for DS9. Um, and then this is the last hail ever. That's right. No, it won't be the last hail ever. Um, howdy, Matt and Andy. Justin from Maryland. Maryland. We <laughs> leaned on the Y there. Uh, I just I felt compelled to share my thoughts about Journey's End. Uh, I've always held a love-hate relationship with Mister Crusher. Let's call it more of a fuck you kid level of jealousy. I mean, you're smart and all, but just because Captain Picard thinks he's responsible for the death of your father doesn't mean you get to drive the flagship of the Starfleet on a daily basis. Do they have a console certification course on the Enterprise that is equal to the training one uh, he would receive at Starfleet Academy? I'm sure the other kids living on the Enterprise had the same feelings. That would have been a great episode, says Andy. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Let's uh, have more children actors in. <laughs> He may have been bullied, perhaps undeservedly so, uh, but we all know kids can be real jerks. A lot of anti-kid uh, sentiment in today's show. I compare my relationship with Wesley to the feelings that arose within me uh, when during an episode of Power Rangers Turbo, the one with the cars, Zordon let some dumb kid become the next Blue Ranger. Even at a young age, I called bullshit. You're going to tell me this middle schooler has enough martial arts training to defeat intergalactic baddies, control his portion of the Megazord... <laughs> And study for his geometry test? My childlike innocence was destroyed that day and remained in tatters as Wesley was given a front row seat to a seven-year mission exploring the galaxy. Um, uh, I'm going to skip on through this. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Justin. Yeah, five out of seven Andes <laughs> for this episode. If you want to give uh, an example to show your friends, which uh, may explain your deep-seated resentments towards Wesley Crusher, show them this episode. Thank you, Justin. That's it for the hails. If you'd like to send us one, send it to sdtncpod at gmail.com. Uh, or you can join the Patreon and get access to our Priority One messages, um, where we also post the uh, the episodes now. If you would like a direct download, uh, you can also get your episode, your TNC episode early if you join the President Circle level, a new feature. Um, if you want to tweet Matt, you can tweet him at Matt Myra, uh, or you can Instagram him there. You can Instagram me at Andrew Secunda, or tweet me at Secunda. If you like, send a voicemail. You can do it at eight one six Trek T N C. That's it for the guys. We crossed many doors to many places Your hate made us think of all your faces So plug TNC in your little board node Let's talk about this week's episode It's time to talk about this week's episode, Andy, which is called First Born, which aired uh, 25th of April, 1994. What's, what's shaking out there? 
Well, Matt, the number one song in the U.S. is Bump and Grind by R. Kelly. Oh, okay. What's the number one song in the uh, UK? UK? The Most Beautiful Girl in the World by Prince. Which oh, one you to that's fun. I'll listen to some Prince. Mm. The number one movie uh, is Four Weddings and a Funeral. Whoa. Welcome to the dawn. You have just oh. accessed the beautiful experience. This experience will cover courtship, sex, commitment, fetishes, loneliness, vindication, love, and hate. Please enjoy your experience. Oh, yeah, Prince. <laughs> it's a whole sci-fi plot. <laughs> Prince must have loved TNG, right? It seems like that would be right up his alley. Yeah. He would like... I wonder if there's ever a, a just a, a casual Picard reference in any of his songs. I feel uh, like he would be like constantly whenever they're in the United Federation of Planets Council, there's just a guy in purple back there and it's him. That'd be great. Um uh, number one movie, Four Weddings and a Funeral, number one book, The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield, number one TV show that week, Seinfeld episode The Big oh. Salad. Little crossover oh, yeah. with our Voyager sure, podcast. Death that week. I bet that's going to be number one for a while if that's hitting number one. Although we're going to have to figure out something else for our this week's. Well, Death. all of this week's we can just redo them because. Oh yeah. For season six and seven, it's concurrent with DS Nine. Should we be dropping our this week's for DS Nine? Uh, not a discussion for now. All right. Um, also, the Frank Sinatras, those are going to start repeating, too, as I think someone pointed out on the Patreon. Deaths that week, former President Richard Nixon uh, events. Nelson Mandela is elected president in South Africa's first ever multiracial elections. And that was the day racism ended. We got past it, everyone. Good job. Uh, oh, no. I just looked. We didn't. Oh, no. Stupid, stupid, stupid humans. Anyway, uh... Well, at least we won't call people Indians in the 24th century. Well, unless they're from India. Right. Well, obviously. Come on. You gotta Sorry. know. Although, I guess we're all Terrans at that point. Yeah, probably. You know, I just... We're all just on this pale blue dot. <laughs> <laughs> that got super high. Let's just fucking put it to the side. I've never. You're not. You don't. You're. You're not someone who ever partakes, are you? No. I cannot imagine you high. I just get tired. Yeah. Well, I guess that's the way I would imagine you. Yeah. Well, there you go. Your imagination still functions. Frank Sinatra, come on! It's time for that segment everybody hates. (laughs) For Frank Sinatra, come on! Andy, what was going on with old blue eyes? Matt, Frank is back at Radio City Music Hall this week in the middle of a five-night run. The New York Times was as gracious as possible in their review of this show. <laughs> <clears throat> That's a weird weird uh, commentary. Glossing over the obvious problems and calling out the times when Frank could recapture a bit of old magic. They weren't quite as kind to opening Act Don Rickles, purveying sanctimonious misanthropy... Is that how I pronounce that correctly? Misanthropy. Misanthropy. And an assortment of antique ethnic stereotypes. (laughs) 
Don Rickles would have had no problem using the word Indian in the wrong way. Uh, Frank Jr. conducted the orchestra for his dad each night, then zipped uptown to give his own midnight performance at the Tavern on the Green. Wow, Frank Jr. is really... He's got the same working ethic as his dad. I mean, it's not that far. You're already on, like, what, 38th Street, 40th? I guess that's <laughs> just, fair. You're just jumping up to the Tavern of the Green. It's not that far. Um, Well, I guess it's it's uh, just in time that we're hitting this point where um, he's, uh, he's starting to lose his edge because the so, TNG is So, too, does Star Trek The Next Generation go? <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go. This is Firstborn. Yeah, Firstborn, which uh, ninety four. It's twenty fifth of February ninety four. Teleplay by Renee Echevarria. Story by Echeverria. Mark Halbfeld, and directed by Jonathan West. A mysterious family friend and advisor encourages Worf's son Alexander to become a warrior. Nice. <laughs> Leaving the spoilers alone. Um, let's dive in to this fucking weird, weird episode. I forgot. You forgot because you allowed yourself to be distracted by foolishness. I'm sorry. There's something very important I want to discuss with you. It concerns your future. Sit. As time passes, a boy inevitably becomes a man, but what is not inevitable is that a man becomes a sword. What? No, I meant... I play that out of context. It's, it's funnier. Warrior. <laughs> sure. <laughs> the path of a warrior begins with the first rite of ascension. Is that when they hit you with pain sticks? <laughs> no, that is the second rite. Oh. You... <laughs> I thought that was really funny. That is what I would think first if I was in his position. Wait, wait, when is a pain sticks thing? <laughs> when, when, when is that thing I'm not doing? You are approaching the age of ascension. It is time for you to prepare for the ceremony. What do I have to do? Well, your fighting skills will be tested, and your knowledge of the teachings of Kalas. It will be challenging, but I will help you prepare. These are the Cortovo candles. They represent the fire that burns within the heart of a warrior. Even though they just look like candles. When you light yours, you will be declaring your intention to become a warrior. Go ahead. What if I don't want to? If you do not participate in the rite before the age of 13 years, you will never be able to become a true Klingon warrior. Well, I don't care about that. You may not care about it now, but someday you might. Well, Mother always said that, that I didn't have to do any of this Klingon stuff if I didn't want it. It is your decision, but... Okay, then. I'm not going to do it. Alexander. You just said it was up to me. I don't want to be a warrior. <laughs> it's a I mean... funny... It's a funny sound bite right now. That should I go don't want to be a warrior. It <laughs> should go right up there with ha, ha, ha. Um... <laughs> It's very, uh, excuse me, very, very Jewish episode. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it's clearly a, a bar mitzvah undertone not, here. Not, not, not the first thing I'd think of when uh, thinking of uh, people declaring to be warriors. Uh, no, that's fair. <laughs> but it is a rite that happens that you become hey, a man, well, essentially. Catholics, we have confirmation. It's the same How shit. old are you? Uh, 14. Yeah, this is at 13. Isn't it? And same, also... Same shit, different year. The, the chanting sounded very... Uh, Hebraic. Well, as we all know, the uh, great uh, episode of uh, Frasier. Where, oh, that's uh, right. Oh, I hadn't even made that connection. Yeah. He reads from the Torah, but it's accidentally a Klingon speech uh, by the station's resident nerd, Noel, who was heading off to a Star Trek convention. <laughs> uh, a lot of crossover, Frasier and... Uh, and uh, TNG, thanks to their close proximity of stages. All right. Anyway, your act break is I don't want to be a warrior as he runs out. And the audience, I think, just sighs because we know, of course, Alexander's not a warrior. He's Alexander. His father's Worf. That's true. Worf's bad dad. You think so? You don't think Alexander's just a bad kid? No, I don't think he's a bad kid. He bit a kid. Yeah. That's a bad kid. I mean, look, kids bite kids all over. Henry's bitten me many times. Kids bite. Yeah. Interesting. What did you do? Uh, Did you spray him with a little spray bottle? Yeah, and I told him (laughs) to get down from the table. (laughs) (laughs) Will we be holding position here until it arrives? Yes. And as it would seem that we're in for a relatively quiet time, I shall use this opportunity to visit the Hatterian system. There are some ancient ruins that are just being excavated. <laughs> the delay will also make it possible for stellar dynamics to complete their study of the Vaudry Nebula. I'll let them know that they can have more access to the lateral sensor grid. We could use this time to recalibrate the weapons targeting system. Remember when you fucked that up, Worf? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this time uh, the torpedo won't fly off into an unknown direction. <laughs> and we'll all agree to keep our acid in our mouths. <laughs> yes, um, I will begin the procedure immediately. Very good. Dismissed. Picard is at his nerdiest at the top of the scene. He is He's very enthusiastic about oh, they don't go into that archaeological site and then and then oh maybe you could re redo the the, the weapon system. <laughs> He's really excited about all of it. I would have loved to have just had cut to Riker kind of rolling his eyes or something. Could I have a word with you for a moment? I noticed several times during the briefing that you appeared to be a bit distracted. WTF. In the future, I will make sure my personal affairs do not interfere with my duties. Is everything all right? I'm having problems with Alexander. He has made it clear he does not wish to participate in the first rite of ascension. Oh, I see. I try to tell him that it is an important part of a young Klingon's life, but he does not understand. That he's had so little opportunity to spend time with Klingons. You know... The festival of Cote Baval is tomorrow. If he could take part in that, I'm sure he would more fully appreciate what a rich cultural heritage he comes from. There is the Klingon outpost on Maranga 4. I'm sure they'll be celebrating the festival. Yes. 
but the outpost is on the other side of the Vaudry Nebula. It would take three days by shuttle to get there. The Enterprise could be there in a fraction of the time and still back in time for the rendezvous. Captain, I you just have to you, Mr. damage the universe a little bit. Like nothing better than a trip around the nebula. Thank you, sir. All right, now I'm going to host SNL this week. See you later. Won't be the rest of the episode. <laughs> I do love the uh, the solid late season writing of. Picard knows all the Klingon stuff. He's very well-versed. He's had a lot of adventures about it. And they just take the shortcut of even having Worf kind of, you know, you can see him, like, have a second of hesitation. He's like, oh, well, he gets all this stuff. And he just talks about the right of ascension, and Picard has his (laughs) suggestions, and it all makes sense. I like the IMDb trivia that says that Patrick Stewart um, is only in this scene because he had to go film and then it lists, it says, Patrick Stewart slash salt and pepper. Oh, he is, really was on SNL that week. Yes. Oh, I'd love yeah. to see. Hey, we should do that episode. Maybe as a, an in-between seasons treat. Ladies and gentlemen, salt and pepper. <laughs> 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 uh, that's great. Seven-second seven clip on YouTube. That, that intro. There's no question in my mind that the man who didn't know who Sting was had no clue who Salt and Pepper was. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Salt and Pepper! <laughs> Pepper! Uh, anyway. This, <laughs> I thought this was like such an interesting angle for the Klingons, this, this whole opera thing they're doing you know my biggest question about this presentation first of all i found it odd that after all of his reluctance alexander was won over by this this display well you but, know rush uh, click out operas in his blood <laughs> is that what it is yeah uh he's partly it's, it's the uh it's the klingon opera and then partly you know his uh his uncle you know uh Paul Sorvino kind of influenced him to dig the opera. Sure. Um, but uh, uh, I find it odd that even though this is play acting and it's like we're reenacting this thing with Kalis, that there's no contact, that it's all fake contact. Feels like Klingons would never do fake. You know, uh, fake I like it because it, it's the theatrics of it. Does that it's seem- a, you know, they're a theatrical Shakespearean culture. Hmm. Does that seem Klingon? Yes, because they wrote it that way. Well, that's. I mean, yeah. Certainly, it's you. It's acceptable. Look, as a they lead. gotta have some cultural uh, history. These Klingons. They can't all just be bashing each other into the head with with fucking sharp objects. That's can't a, they? That's a dull society. Feels that's like they're constantly fun. doing that in casual like, think situations. Of, well, think of like the samurai. Yeah, the samurai, there's pageantry to samurai. Well, that's that's true, but the Klingons are more, you know, violent. Uh, Disagree. How many samurais are there with warp drive? Very, very few. Exactly. How many Klingons have warp drive? Seems like most of them. Yeah, probably. Yeah. What What does that prove? <laughs> it proves that the they're 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 a, they're a well rounded race. You're you just know, saying not they're, about the one thing. They're more evolved, I think. Yeah, I mean, look at their shoulders. 
Uh, these big pointy pads. <laughs> what does that prove? <laughs> it's theatrical. Oh, I see. They love an accoutrement. I thought those were they're supposed to be their actual shoulders. Oh, you're just saying on top of the big shoulders. Yeah. And like Worf running around with that fucking ball sash. Yeah. Are these like little worms? I could never get a good yeah, look at yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, they're worms. I love fucking Alexander doesn't even look. He knows his dad just got something tasty. Yeah. What do you think of like the eight uh, fucking Starfleet officers that decided I'm going to go watch this? I think that there is a lot of I guess class sure leave. A. I guess I'm going to go. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to go, I want to see the the festival. Uh, there's a lot of uh, really class A specific acting in this film. <laughs> like all these these guys really made decisions about what their what their people think about this. <laughs> Who's that? It is the tyrant Molar. He was so strong, no one could stand against him. <laughs> Jordy doesn't want the worms. What's he saying? He is asking She's so freaked out about He's saying, I didn't realize you were in this scene till now. <laughs> to stand up to Molar. Worf's upset. Is anyone, is anyone going to do this? Come on. I'm, 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 I'll do it. I mean, I wouldn't, that was my favorite opera. I mean, <laughs> Tear up, Molar. Tear up. Dicator Pacto. Bajak Tuba. All right, the opera goes on. So here's my question. Yeah. I don't know if you're going to play this. So, like, uh, Alexander steps out and then, you know, obviously defeats the guy. Also, full contact. He, he, he clangs uh, uh, with him. And uh, is he doing it right or is he messing it up? The guy seems genuinely surprised. I agree. He doesn't, you know. And I couldn't tell if the actor... This kid was raised on the Enterprise. Well, I couldn't know? tell if the actor in this play was like, hey, what are you doing? Or if he was like, oh, gosh, this kid's coming at me. <laughs> oh, I think it was a, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. That's not the line. You know, right. That kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or is he acting like a good Disney cast member and he's sort of like, oh, the kid beat me. What do you want it to be, Andy? Let's make it that. I want it to be clear in the guy's performance, honestly. What do you want want. it to be? I think the last thing probably would make the most sense. Okay, that's what it is then. Hey, thanks, pal. (laughs) This would rather die than live under Molar's tyranny. Molar's Watching the fire dancers. We. Kanor and Barrel. They live here on the outpost. I need some money. What for? Well, the man over there says he has Muller's head in a box. The real one. <laughs> that is impossible. I like it. The real Muller. I like this whole little like. Ago. I know. Give it's him fifty bucks, Dad. I want to see yeah, this head in a box. Fifty darsics. He is trying to take your money. Please, Father. He's waiting. No, it is too late. We should go home. 
Alexander. That is now, Andy, what I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted by your stunned silence at my bad jokes. Uh, you were the one who was <laughs> stunned and silent, but uh, I guess whatever. Uh, was how I really enjoyed this whole thing of like Alexander just being a dumb kid who wants to see some old head in a box for 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. It's like a Coney Island. It's fun. Yeah. Kanor and Barrel. They live here on the outpost. I need some money. What for? Well, the man over there says he has Muller's head in a box. The real Muller. That is impossible. The real Molar died centuries ago. Look how Warp's getting, like, angry about it. <laughs> like, he's processing it, like, and then he's like, no, it can't be true. It <laughs> <laughs> is kind of what he's just yeah. like, I don't, I don't think sure that would be really Molar, would it? He is trying to take your money. Please, Father, he's waiting. No, it is too late. We should go home. This is also, you know what I also think this, this indicates? with all the complaints about Worf as a father, this is where he's a bad father. Like, you can almost understand, well, I'm trying to get him to understand and value his history and his culture and and et cetera at the beginning of the episode. But then he gets him down to the planet and the kid is now excited and he's still, yeah. like, being a drip. It's like, you know what? Screw you, man. And, like, you know, you don't say, hey, we could stay here tonight. Like, let's get a, let's get a bed and breakfast or whatever or stay in a colony hotel or I mean I assume they have these sorts of things he took the whole fucking Enterprise D across the you know across space to get his kid here to get him excited well, that's because Picard had to go to salt and pepper <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen salt and pepper now I don't know. I guess we can address this now or we can address it later. Happy to address it now. This was something that future Alexander set up. Yeah. That's what's revealed later. Yeah. Obviously, uh, for those of you who might not have watched the episode, since we like to spoil things so we can talk about the entirety of the episode, this uh, guy that's about to show up, this advisor to the House of Moog, is uh, actually just Alexander from 40 years in the future. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, anyway, now knowing that, let's go. So, then the Duras sisters, I'm jumping yes. this out of order, they see the knife, and they're like, oh my goodness. Well, Alexander pins this on the Duras sisters, the House of Duras, because he knows that the uh, family and uh, the House of Moog have not really seen eye to eye over the, over the years, so he pins it on a house that it would be... Um, wouldn't really alter anything because there's already a blood feud between the House of Moog and Doros, so he I, brings back a Doros knife. I see. So that's so that's the um, I, that was the part I, I knew that he had set it up, and he was trying to pin it on the Doros sisters. <coughs> I didn't understand. Like, wait a minute! If the knife is from the future, are these people actually Doros assassins? But they're not. He just gave them knives to pin it on them, and right. he made the mistake of giving them a future knife from the Duras house instead of a uh, current day knife. Correct. Got it. Matt fixed it. No, it's there. And he's an idiot. What do you want from me? He is Gintok to the house of Moog. Gintok. Like, this is the part where I'm just like, okay, so you don't... I guess they sort of explain it 
with him saying how it would take a few days to get a message to his brother. Like the idea being that this guy's lying completely, and why yeah. wouldn't why like, would wouldn't Kern Warf, say? Wouldn't you wouldn't you know the uh, yeah that your is consigliere? <laughs> but why would Worf buy it at all? Did he just create? I don't know. It just Worf is speaking with such confidence of letting this guy into his into his trust. Well, I think that's just when you look through your father. You know, as, as Eric Clapton said in that one song, "Your Father's Eyes." Uh, you know, there's just a trust there. Eyes are so trusted, he has become part of the family. Where did he get that from? It's it's Alexander's story. But why does Worf buy it? Why? Worf doesn't trust any approaching ship. Why would he buy this guy coming out of nowhere saying, Uh, Hey, you've never met me, but I'm... Desperately, desperately wants to be fully Klingon. Oh, so he's like, just... Alexander's playing into his father's love <laughs> of the fucking culture. Honestly, I think that's, <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. Amazing. It is a Klingon matter. It's not your concern. One of my officers was almost killed. That makes it my concern. Recently, rumors began to circulate on the home world that an assassination attempt was going to be made on the family of Mulk. Kern sent me here to make sure nothing happened to Worf. Why didn't you warn him before the attack was made? I tried to contact him. We have a sense of theater. Haven't you seen our festivities? I decided to beam directly to the surface. And why didn't you let us know about it? Forgive me for being blunt, Commander, but when it comes to protecting the house to which I have pledged my life, I trust no one. My wife? (laughs) <laughs> um, there's one I subtext have... in this episode that they never really explain Alexandra seems to have beef with Riker <laughs> I wonder if something happened in the future well I think actually it happened in the past when Riker and Worf went down to save uh, Alexander and all those animals from that fire in the classroom remember Yeah, he's mad because had Riker failed at that, he wouldn't have to travel back in time to kill himself. Oh, I see. So he, he wishes that Riker had not saved him. Yeah, I wish he'd, he'd just been worse at his job. <laughs> Full confidence in the officers with whom I serve. One of the attackers dropped this dagger. The design represents the House of Duras. We have other evidence that indicate the Dura sisters, Los and Vator, were behind the attack. What do you think they were after? Couldn't see on the council. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's like Riker's going to cut himself. Riker loves that knife. It really might as well is just start like, playing with it. It's kind of like, this is what you do with the with fucking Captain Picard's ship when he's not here. You're just like, you're going to start talking to Quark and go look for these fucking Dura sisters. <laughs> yeah. Of course. We cannot allow their attack on our house to go unanswered. First, we must find them. At one point, they were on Deep Space Nine, trying to sell Belitrium explosives. That was months ago. No one knows where they went from there. Maybe we can find them. We arranged for quarters on the ship if you'd like to stay. I would. Worf and I have much to discuss. So this is James Sloyan 
who was the Romulan in the Defector episode, and I mm. I knew that from the performance. Uh, I knew him from something big, and it was this show. I also think I just mentioned that I knew him from the Sting, where he's where he says, "I just made the world's easiest five grand." They have been ruled by human standards. I meant no disrespect. What is the matter, Worf? Have you been living so long among humans that you have forgotten how Klingons behave? I have not great Klingon. I am merely stating that their ways are different than ours. I trust you have made your son aware of that fact as well. Yes, of course I have. Good. Because someday Alexander may be called upon to lead the House of Moog. Gran has no male heir. He wants to make sure that Alexander is preparing himself. Does my brother doubt my ability to raise my son as a Klingon? Kind of. No. But you are alone among humans. It cannot be easy to keep our ways. No. It has not been easy. How are his fighting skills? Can he handle a bad lift? He is learning. He could be better. He must. He is nearing the age of ascension. Actually, Alexander has not yet committed himself to undergoing the rite. What? I have tried to explain to him how important it is, but he will not listen to me. Perhaps together, you and I, we can find a way to spark the boy's interest in his heritage. I would be grateful for any help you could offer. It was actually working on the planet before the attack. Tomorrow. You know, you should have given him the fucking 50 bucks. (laughs) I actually came back in time to give Alexander the $50. That is the head of that guy. (laughs) I swear to God, Dad. (laughs) What? I mean, Woff. Great. Just throughout the episode. Perhaps together, you and I, Dad, can be... What? <laughs> nothing, what? nothing. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 I war, just... <laughs> I said, Daka! Dad, Dad, Daddy-o. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Back to the Future, of course, is a uh, movie night every every night on the Enterprise. Sure. It's the 20th century. To the yeah. bottom. Really? You have cousins there. They want to meet you. He's snuggling up to him and being good uncle in this scene, and then like a few scenes I, later, he's pointing he thinks, a disruptor at him. Look, he thinks he thinks he can get he thinks he can get him on the path. This is the aspect that I kind of really love about this episode is when you watch when you think about this episode through knowing how it turns out, it is entirely about self hate and your own. Yeah. Anger at yourself for mistakes you've made. It's kind of effective. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's I, insane. I agree. I thought they were going to kill my father. You must have wanted to help us fight them off. I didn't know what to do. Someday, if you work hard, you will become a warrior, a Klingon warrior, and you will always feel safe. Because you will know how to defend yourself. And I'll tell you something else. 
If anyone ever tries to hurt your father again, you will be able to fight at his side and make sure nothing happens to him. What do you think of that? Good night, Alexander. You're not saying anything, well. though. Good night, Kimtar. I love dream well as a thing to say goodnight to people with. Yeah. I wish dream that he well. I like, wish he wasn't creative enough to come up with Kemtar and was like he just called himself Xander Alex. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Malexander Boklinko. <laughs> From the House of Bo? <laughs> uh, yes. No no no. No, that's not it. No, that's not it. <laughs> Dad, son, what? <laughs> Starfleet records contain no mention of the Duras sisters after their departure from Deep Space Nine. Did I not tell you as much? See, look at the attitude. Have you been able to contact Deep Space Nine? Yeah, oh, he's like, uh, he, he thinks he crosses the T's and dotted his eyes. Yeah. He's like, last time the Duras people or Duras sisters are seen for years is uh, right after this Deep Space Nine thing. That's what I'll go back to. Let's. Let's theorize for a second. Sure. So something happened. He screwed up. Worf gets killed in the future. Yeah. yeah. And then what? How long do you think he spends? Like this version of Alexander is super committed to being Klingon. He's got the Klingon attitude. Um, you know, he's he's very um, Antagonistic towards everyone. I, a think, la uh, I think it's four months, and uh, he is yet to hit the fifth stage of grief. And do you think prior to that four months ago, he was more like the Alexander we know, and he was just very you know quiet and well spoken? He seems and, to have been like a a man of peace, like a like an ambassador. That's what it sounds like. That's why I'm just wondering, like, at what point did he like go full Klingon? Five months. And, you think he could do all? He could become this person that we see in five months? Feels like it would, but in years. I think that you you need to have a, a great and you know knowledge of the culture you're representing as an yeah. ambassador. Oh, interesting. You know, I think it's not like he had. It's not like he had to learn everything from scratch. I see. Interesting. So he was just a man of peace. But he was yeah. still hard, hardcore Klingon. Yeah, and then he took a five-week intensive training fighting class. Uh, <laughs> Turned it all around. Yeah. And everyone would triple down Dabo at one of my tables. And how could I forget that you didn't have enough latinum to cover my winnings? I thought I explained that my brother misplaced the key to the safe. Besides, those vouchers I gave you were every bit as good as latinum. You can spend latinum almost anywhere. Those vouchers are only good at your bar. Is um, that what this is about? You're on your way and you're calling to reserve a hollow suite program? Actually, I was hoping you could help me with something else. What would that be? I'm looking for some Klingon friends of mine. The Dura sisters, Lorsa and Bator. Yes, Lorsa and Bator. Big talk, small tips. Do you know where I can find them? Well... I did hear a rumor, actually. What kind of rumor? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure it was told me in confidence. And how much would your confidence cost? How many vouchers do you have again? I have enough for 12 bars of latinum. 
I'd be glad to return. Playing with house money, that Riker. He really is. I believe the rumor was <laughs> that the sisters were trying to buy some secondhand mining equipment. What for? They learned of a magnesite deposit on the collar system. It belongs to the Packers, but those fools don't even know it's there. Your uh, friends trying to get at it. I love the casual dropping of the packlets being involved. <laughs> That's real nice. How fucking weird. Uh, oh, this is, uh, this is a nice so long, reaction. Quark. How long would it take us to get to the collar system? Approximately 16 hours, sir. Could not he have been lying? Why would he? I'd just be knocking on his door again in a few days. And I wouldn't be in as good a mood. I never liked you, Riker. What? Congratulations, Commander. I did not think it would be possible to find the sisters. Take us out of orbit. Oh, I see. Yeah. I didn't catch that, obviously. <laughs> he doesn't want them to find the sisters. Correct. I think they should have leaned on that a little bit harder. Made him a little bit more suspicious. Well, I was pretty suspicious of him from the start. Yeah. And then I was like, wait. And then, like when they sh the, when the Dura sisters show up, yeah. And I'm like, there's not enough plot left in this to expose him as a Duras. Uh huh. Oh my god, what are they gonna do? Oh my god, they've he's Alexander from the future. <laughs> it was like what? Well, this brings up my fix on this, <laughs> which is I think that plot turn should have come about halfway through. Like, he's going to kill Alexander. Worf stops him. He says, I'm Alexander. Which, by the way, Worf buys far too fast. <laughs> but, like, with just a piece of information, he's suddenly like, oh, okay, wow. you're you're my son from the future. You can tell. Because of his face. Because of the, you know, you just, you have that, uh, you have that whatever sense. Plus, he was the only one. look. He was the only one that knew about his mother's last moments. No, it's me, Father. Listen. Ha! 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 Um, anyway, my point is, you move, uh, you move the, uh, the thing where he tries to kill himself earlier. Worf stops him. He tells him the truth. Then the second half becomes more like future Alexander's like arguing, look, we got to kill me. It's the only way to save you. And, and then you have more time for Worf to hear about... No. What happened? Can you please let me do my pitch and then you can fucking shit on it? The You have more time to hear about what made Alexander so great. And then and then the turn of Worf makes more sense. Because by the time you get that turn at the end, he's like, well, it sounds like he was a great man. It's like, based on two lines of dialogue, you would need to you need to sit with it for a little while. And you need to sit with the fact that he's his freaking son from the future. Go ahead. I just don't think there's a world where he's going to let his son be killed by his son or anyone else. Well, so I think, I think that that's you have to, true. You can't reveal that. You cannot reveal that until much later in the episode. I think that's true that he would never let his son be killed. I think that the, the plot dies immediately. Well, I think then you you know, maybe you put him in the brig and then it's more, you know, you coming up with other solutions. Well, other solutions to to not having to kill his son. I mean, I think there's like then you get into the whole temporal violation. What do you mean? It's just crazy. It's already it's already a crazy temporal violation. That's not a if you're gonna stick on that, then it's like well the whole thing is insane. 
which it is. <laughs> yes. But yeah. that's not it's not going to become more insane if you have him discussing it with him. Yeah, but I just think that the the move to kill him, I just don't think you can do that at that point in the story. I'm not also, saying I don't you think should kill that's him. his goal. That's, I'm saying that's, the yeah. second half of the episode would be him trying to explain to future Alexander why he doesn't have to kill him. Oh, I thought you were saying explaining to Worf why he had to kill Alexander. Oh, I'm just saying that that would be future Alexander's perspective until Worf in the second half convinces him out of it and says, you don't realize how valuable you were. It's basically the same thing as they do, except that it's, as you're pointing out, it's so rushed and tacked on that that's, if there's any flaw in the episode, to me, that is the flaw, that it's like, that is too big a swing for you to put that late in the episode. Put it in the middle, and then you can have more time with future Alexander and Worf and him saying the things that were important to him as a father and what he learned from him and and have Worf real you know convince him of of why he was you know and actually accomplished and shouldn't feel bad about what happened in the future uh it's pretty wild <laughs> just so the, wild. the choice just the idea of like going back in time to like i'm kind yourself. of impressed i kind of like it stand ready <coughs> Computer, resume program. Potage, <coughs> potage. Finish him. I won't kill this fake person. Freeze program. Seems like that. Computer is really slow on freezing that program. <laughs> Why did you not? I, I don't know. Look at him! He did not care that you showed him mercy. He was going to kill you! Kimtar, that is enough. If this was real, he'd be dead by now. Dead. Alexander! Did you say he'd be dead yes, by now? Yes, I'm right here. Oh! Sorry, force of habit. I'm Kemdar. <laughs> um, I also like the the philosophical con- context because usually it's just a straight shot in Star Trek of oh these were warlike people or these were a, a small minded people, and we got to pull them, bring them around to the uh, the Federation way, and this is or the Starfleet way, and this is he was once a man of peace. He lost his father. And then Worf has to bring him back to being a man of peace. Which is interesting. Mm. Call of three. Set a standard orbit. Any evidence of a mining expedition? How fucking weird was this scene? This let's go down to the mine and meet this alien. Very strange and very long. I was just like, what is this? And Yogg is also weird. The later guy? Who are you? Oh sure. Gorta. I'm Gorta. Like, I was like, is this Sam Levine in makeup? Like, what is happening? <laughs> Very strange. They, and there's a, there's three of these. You got Quark, you got this guy, and you got Yogg. It's like just a cavalcade of eccentric side performances by know. aliens. <laughs> and they're all kind of similarly toned, kind of like... Well, it's also like he's just like sitting there con like, artist. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to die. Does your personal code of conduct tell you that when you're stranded on a planet with no way off, you shouldn't try to cut deals? You have a point. We can certainly provide passage off this planet 
in exchange for information. Could you perhaps fail to tell the Packleds that we were mining their ore? Don't push your luck. What if you get us the Duran sisters? I'll see what I can do. Oh. The Duras sisters. They are magnificent, aren't they? Also Where are they now? Selling the ore, I imagine. So weird. So weird. Such a weird scene. So weird. Not to have gotten so angry. It's just that I am worried about Alexander. Maybe we should kill him. As am I. Kun told me that his mother... If we beam him into space, he'll be dead almost immediately. <laughs> it's the humane thing to do. When he first came to live with me, he knew nothing of our ways. He often reminds me of the things his mother said to him. I try not to disregard her wishes. I want the boy to honor his mother. Someday, I'm sure, he will appreciate you and be grateful for all that you have done for him. But still... Compared to other boys his age, his fighting skills are years behind. It could take him up to five months later in life to catch up. He does not put in the time it takes to learn the skills. I thought that you might consider sending him to the training academy at Ogat. Your brother is an influential man. I'm sure he could see to it that Alexander was admitted. Ogat. I am only thinking of what is best for the boy. But they don't mention me to your brother. This was your idea, Worf. <laughs> I would like him to learn our ways. No. This is his home. How can you expect him to lead our family when all he knows is life aboard a Federation starship? He is my son. He belongs with me. The boy is more human than Klingon. If he stays here, he will never be a warrior. He will never be able to defend our family again. Enough! 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 The decision is mine. Not necessarily. I would be well within my rights to invoke Yadnarda Corps. You would question my fitness to raise my own son? For the good yeah, of the house. Yes, what? Orf, <laughs> I beg of you, please stop thinking of yourself. It is Alexander we should be considering. Look into your heart. It's such a great Klingon performance. I really can't get over it. He's, a, he's, a, he's in for a day. Last thing he did was a Romulan, and he did a great job with that. I feel like he had probably three or four days on this. Well, whatever. I'm just saying, you know. He did, sure, there wasn't much prep. But Morath refused to fight him and instead ran away. Kalos pursued him across the valleys, over the mountains, and down into the edge of the sea. And there at the shore, they fought for twelve days, twelve nights. I know, I've heard this story before. Mm. Alexander. I was a real pain in the ass. These stories, even though you already know them. <laughs> Not Wesley bad, but still. Why was Kalos mad about the lie his brother told? It made him look like a coward. If Kalos would have just explained what happened, maybe they wouldn't have had to fight about it. You're missing the point. Why was it so wrong for Morth to run away? Maybe he didn't want to fight his brother because he didn't want to have to kill him. He ran because he was a coward. But how do you know that? No, 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 no more questions. <laughs> These are our stories. Jesus. It's important for a warrior. Ugh, to I cannot stand being around myself. 
I'm trying to. No, but... your head is filled with foolish human notions about how things are. <laughs> Real dumb. You ever tell you just fucking open a book? Open a click on a book. <laughs> I'm out of here. You would find that you wouldn't want to do anything else. I don't want to leave the Enterprise. Alexander, you must. Everything depends upon it. I thought you were different. I thought you understood me. I do. But you don't. You're just like my father. All you care about is me becoming a warrior. Just leave me alone. I am going to smack me across the face. Is Magnesite or present? And we're too late. The sisters have already been here. Somehow I doubt the Eurydians are going to be forthcoming about where they might have gone. Good job, Sir. Troy. Readings. Are <laughs> <laughs> you interested in selling me the ore that you're carrying? No. <laughs> I have a buyer. You haven't heard my offer. Half a gram of Enjoran Biomedic Gel. So no. Fantastic makeup we job. The purity of your ore. That's the uh, we'll beam over the gel. What's the fuck his name? Uh, Do we see him? You're up to some in a movie. No, no, he's uh, he's the one that tells Worf that his family's alive on Deep Space Nine. That race. Oh, I don't remember. remember it's a uh, it's a uh, fucking James Cromwell. Oh, oh, oh! Right, right, right. Thing. <laughs> But that's not him, is it? Transporter room beam the no. order these coordinates. Same race. Grown out of it. That would place the ore directly off the ship's starboard bow. I know. Transport Lock the phases on the ore and fire. Firing. Why don't they always do this to reveal cloak ships? Put a tractor beam on it. How did you know? The Iridians had only part of the shipment in their hold. I realized that we had a... How did you know? And why didn't you tell Worf to prepare the tractor beam? And also what your plan was? I wanted to look really cool. <laughs> before they had completed the transfer. The Klingon ship is hailing us. On screen. Release our vessel at once. So Bird of so. Prey doesn't stand a chance against the Enterprise D? Not a 20-year-old Bird of Prey. I see. That were put out of service because of defective plasma coils. Engaging in a simple business transaction. We know you're dealing in stolen ore. But I want to talk about the assassination attempt on Lieutenant Worf. What assassination attempt? This is the first I've heard of it. Too bad it didn't succeed. <laughs> we have evidence that you're behind it. Worf's feelings are hurt. Outrageous. What is this evidence? Beam over. We'll show you. We'll be there shortly. This was dropped by one of the assassins. Yeah, I think you could like let go of the tractor beam once they're on the ship. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of power. It bears the crest of your house. It's interesting that nobody else noticed what was wrong, or, or Worf didn't notice what was wrong with the knife. Someone must have given it to the assassins to implicate us. Why would someone do that? In order to I should be able to sense whether you're telling the truth or not, but let's just talk it out. <laughs> That's the only time Worf's ever been like, huh? Huh? I got a good one. <laughs> 
Ready? To implicate us. Why would someone do that? In order to tarnish our good name. You cannot tarnish a rusted blade. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> the, the air horn on that one. You said there was other evidence that they were involved. Yes, on the homeworld. We'll set a course. We'll get this thing cleared up. Look, why don't we just forget all this? Mr. Kern, he may wish to return to the homeworld as well. You tell her, Noctor. Impossible. What is it? These markings represent the members of our house. This symbol represents our father, myself, my sister. And this represents our son. I was not aware you had a son. I do not. But I am with child. She found out only a few days ago and told no one but me. How can this marking be here? Where did this come from? Seems like this is a big leap for them to be freaking out about. I will speak with Kimtar. Better speak with him quick before he pew pews your boy. I wonder what kind of time travel this is. If he destroys him, does he disappear? Father, stop! I am your son! <laughs> You know, it's like in Empire when Luke finds out that Vader is his dad. This is the same kind of moment, man. <laughs> Except it's in reverse. That famous line, no, I am your son. <laughs> I am Alexander. <coughs> no! It's basically his response. I love his, his sort of open-palmed, going to just crack him in the face. Really well, that's cool. just gonna take his fucking nose bone and drive it into his brain. Yeah, come this time from forty years in the future. Talk, tell me the truth, or I will kill you. Look at me. When we first met, you said I looked familiar. I could have seen you on the homeworld. No, look closely. I am your son. If you are Alexander. You will remember your mother's last words before she died. I was three years old. She was dying when we found her. She barely managed to whisper my name. And then she took my hand and placed it in yours. And she died. And then you howled in rage. And said, look upon her. I would kill you, but I was look like... Upon just in a bunch of parallel universes like earlier this month. <laughs> and always remember. And I always have. It's sort of interesting that he asked him what was what were her last words. <coughs> and that's not exactly the thing he tells him. He's sort of more Well that's like the trick about, question. I see, gotcha. <coughs> what if he, oh, what if he just went in and said, Well, you must know what's going to happen and he just goes and kills Alexander? Come to this time. I met a man in the Camber system. He gave me a chance to change the past. He had the ability to send me here to this time. And you came here in order to end your own life. No indication that he can go back either. 
That's a good point. So it'd be kind of cool if you had to live out the rest oh, of the Oh, man. Days. I hope there's some memory beta stuff about Kitak. Kim Tar. That I could change things, that I could change myself. But I could not. I'm a and stubborn little bastard. Not like it did before. I cannot let that happen. But why? What is going to happen that is so terrible? You will be killed because I was too naive, too weak to be able to protect you. In 40 years, I will lose my keys. <laughs> that will it lead to your death. Set. It was the only set I had. <laughs> I do not believe that. I was there. I, I look everywhere for I them. Was to blame. <laughs> you must not blame yourself. You don't understand. I did not become a warrior. I was a until four months a ago. Diplomat, <laughs> a peacemaker. When it came my time to lead our family, I thought that I could single-handedly end the fighting between the great houses. I publicly announced that the House of Mo would be the first to end the feuding, that there would be no more retribution, no more revenge. You tried to warn me. You tried to tell me that I should not show weakness, but I thought you were a foolish old man. I told you you were a relic from an earlier time and that a new era of peace was at hand. But you were right. My enemies saw my weakness and moved against me. And unless I stop it right now, that boy will see his father killed. That was a hard 40 years he lived. Seriously. Uh, that is why you wanted to take Alexander away. To turn him into a warrior. I staged the assassination attempt to try and frighten him, to make him realize that he must follow the ways of a warrior. If I had listened to you, if I had become the warrior that you had wanted me to be, you would not have died in my arms. No. Who knows what the future will be now that you have disrupted time. I may die tomorrow, or I may outlive you. Let us dismiss this paradox. I, die, I will like an honorable <laughs> death. And the only way that is possible is for you to accept yourself as you are. And stay true to what you believe. The cause of peace is a just cause. The struggle must continue. It is a futile struggle. I cannot change things. You have already changed things more than you realize. The boy I was has not changed. But I have. You have given me a glimpse into my son's future, and I know now that he has his own destiny. And I believe it will be a great one. Michael Dorn says, we don't really know what happens now, just that the future is uncertain. It's just like real life, but Worf is still a terrible father. He hasn't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reasonable... I've been waiting. Where's Kimchar? Extrapolation. He had to leave. He was called away. Not sure if it's to the future goodbye. or just some other he asked thing. He to say goodbye for him. He also wanted me to tell you no matter what happens, no matter what you decide to do with your life, he will always care for you a great deal. When will I see him again? 
Oh, in about 40 years. <laughs> what? Never mind. Well, we should start practice. Alexander. There will be plenty of time for training. I got 50 bucks. Let's go find that head. <laughs> this is really... Uh, I mean... I don't know. I feel like you should teach him how to be a warrior as well as be a, a diplomat. Yeah, I think that there will be a mix now. Uh-huh. You know? Because, like, you know, the, the, the Alexander of two days ago wasn't going to stand there and wait for his father to practice battle with fights. Yeah. He was going to throw water balloons around the hallway like his friend. Yeah. His dumb little friend. That's right. His friend was dumb. <laughs> so was Alexander. All right. All right. Can it be Kim Tar? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, Riker did a lot of things in that episode. Jordy's the one who uh, fools the second, or is it the third alien? alien second two. alien. He fools Alien 2, or he does. He negotiates with Alien 2. Riker, I think it would have to be Riker. He also finds the cloaked Dura ship. Yeah, and the way he does it is so cool. I mean, I guess you could say that Worf stops future Alexander from killing present day Alexander. <laughs> So that was pretty, pretty big. I could go either way on who kills Alexander, who doesn't kill Alexander, whatever. Uh, Or is it Alexander for being a man of peace in the future? Well, it doesn't sound like he was very successful. Well, I mean, he was. At least in the timeline we knew about, huh? Yeah, he was until his father got assassinated. How many Andy's does this episode get? I like it. I think it's good. I think it's weird, and I and I think that they should have explored the thing a little bit thorough, more thoroughly. <laughs> and I it's think that the alien, the alien, the weird alien subplots <laughs> are very strange. It's kind of a lack of a plot. It's just sort of like well, it feels like the Gambit Part One and Two, that whole like chase thing. Yeah, that portion of the episode. Yeah where Riker's looking for the Dora sisters feels very much like that episode where they're looking for the next artifact to make that old weapon. Yeah. Um, but I think the theme is really interesting and I think they play it out well. I'm going to give it a seven. I think it's an episode that's so fucking weird. Yeah. No, that no that swing there. at the end, I really, the swing at the end, I got to give it credit for that yeah. swing. I mean, usually I'm like, they don't explain anything and I do kind of wish that they went into it more, but they didn't need to because it doesn't muddy the story. But it does add up. Meaning, like the time travel aspect of it. That doesn't. It doesn't All muddy the, the story that we don't know what happens. No. The timeline or blah 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 blah. And in thinking about it, like. All the things he does sort of make sense. They didn't play fast and loose with what he was doing. Right. Except for his, you know, stupidity with the House of Dora symbol. Yeah. Oh, man. Some, true. Alex- Some Alexanders never change. <laughs> I think that really is, that is the lesson. Alexander's an idiot in all the timelines. Uh, but it's so weird that i got to give it a six, like, just for that swing at the end. Because it is batshit crazy but in a way that doesn't affect the story yes i mean 
doesn't affect the story they were trying to tell or the thematic elements. Do you know what, what I mean? mean? It does. It does dramatically affect the story. The fact that there's a time traveling Klingon around. But I like, think it, it changes it the whole story. It doesn't hinder it at all. Wait, of course it does. Yeah, to me yeah. that's the positive. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, but yeah. like you know, I don't love I don't love big swings out of nowhere that are not written and explained. But that's in true. this case, yeah, it works. Then why why only six? Because the rest of the show is boring. Eh, that's fair. <laughs> what about the festival? Yeah, well, I love the festival. The festival where Salt and Pepper performed, or the <laughs> opera. <laughs> it's both. <laughs> Great if Salt and Pepper were in this. <laughs> Trailer next week: Bloodlines. Here we go. Bloodlines of revenge. I'm going to kill your son, Picard, no. just like you killed mine. Uncovers the son Picard never knew. I hope it will give us a chance to get to know each other. But can they heal old wounds, Father? Jean-Luc, I don't know what I'm supposed to call you. Before an enemy settles a deadly score. I demand that you repay me for my loss. No, next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Huh. Welcome to yet another episode I've never seen. Really? No. Two in a row I've never seen. You mean you don't remember? I don't remember anything about this episode. Wow, that's exciting. I didn't remember anything about this episode. Yeah. As I was watching it, I'm like, I don't fucking remember the Dora sisters being in this episode. Wow. I wonder if there was some hole toward the end of the, the there run. There was. Absolutely. Because there's another season seven episode that I know I haven't seen. Yet to go. Wow. Yeah. We only have a few left. What happened at the end of the run for you? I mean, I was just probably revving up for, uh, for, for all good things, you know, yeah. and I was just getting all my Star Trek in order. You know, yeah. I was putting my action figures up just so my <laughs> so Enterprise the actual episodes. <laughs> Seems like you had your priorities out of whack. It's it's Emergence, the next episode I have not seen also. Oh, wow. Exciting. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me... I did not see it until three years ago. I can't tell based on this whether the son is supposed to be his kind of present day son or another future son but I guess they couldn't do two future sons that would be insane I think it's seven seasons in they're like whatever right we gotta get out the door and start production on the movie this guy looks Uh, nothing like Patrick Stewart as a son well look I think I speak for all of us where I say I don't know which Alexander we're supposed to be rooting for yeah disengage disengage 